This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Visit bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 86th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel, and once again, recording via Zoom in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Howard, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great today, Cameron. How are you? I'm doing great. Yes, it truly was beautiful. It rained uh, this morning in Springfield, but then cleared up. The sun is out right now. I uh, sat in the hammock on the back porch a little bit after I got home from work, so mm, that sounds can't lovely. Ask, can't ask for more than that. You know, I actually live in Nixa, so uh, you've been lying to everyone this this whole time. So, and I just now it just dawned on me that uh, I don't actually live in Springfield. So, wow, it's, it's you know, a huge deal. That is, and yeah, I'm thoroughly embarrassed now. I don't know <laughs> if I can go on with the show now with that glaring mistake. Yeah. Um, Kyle, we got some good news today, finally. I think um, we'll, we'll talk about that and see how good a news we actually think it is. Um, we've obviously, we can't have an episode of this without talking about um, basketball recruiting and transfers and things like that. And then we're going to take a, a deep dive into the NFL draft as it pertains to the Missouri Tigers. Um, look at the players we think have a chance of getting drafted and we'll make some predictions uh, for what round we think they're going to go in. And maybe if I can remember all the way back to football season, I'll try to give some analysis or something, some, some kind of fond memory of the player, but man, it feels like football season was a long time ago. Yeah, it really does. Um, Yeah. we'll, We'll give you some notes and stuff on, on the guys that will that have a chance to be drafted. Uh, obviously, I'm not a uh, scout by any means, but you know some stuff is definitely uh, pretty obvious things that uh, if you watch football, you can pick up you can pick up on, and you can know are the strengths and weaknesses of, of the players. But uh, hopefully, we have a little better draft for Mizzou players than uh, we did last year. But uh, at this point, who really knows? So, yeah, and obviously. Um spoiler alert for our predictions um we're going to be putting this out we're recording this and putting this out uh as the first round of the nfl draft will be underway so um needless to say we're not predicting anybody to go in the first round but uh you'll have this obviously now available to you in time to see where the rest see what happens with the rest of the rounds and see where these mizzou players end up but before we do that we have to talk basketball and basketball recruiting and we will start it off with the big news of the day, and that is Mizzou landing a transfer commit um, by the name of Ed Chang. He transferred originally from San Diego State. Actually, if you take it all the way back, he was originally committed to Washington, I believe, then transferred to or decommitted and signed with San Diego State, then basically got no playing time and struggled when he was on the court and transferred to a community college. And now he is coming to Mizzou. 
Yeah, I think this was a guy that apparently Conzo Martin recruited uh, when he was coming out of high school, uh, and he stayed on the West Coast. Um, another classic example of a guy that has now committed to Missouri, and I have not heard of him uh, before that happens. Um, I know what the attitude is online, at least on Twitter, uh, about this commitment. And uh, at least initially, I can't say that I um, – disagree with that attitude um yeah i mean coming from a community college we really didn't beat anybody out for him uh he averaged eight points a game three and a half rebounds at for a community college yeah in 17 minutes per game didn't even start most of the games yeah uh that that's extremely underwhelming uh for for a guy that's going to be uh coming into a an SEC level school that's that's underwhelming for sure um now you can still I guess make the argument potentially that he is still developing uh he you can you can see where he might be able to grow into a more consistent starter he can shoot pretty well uh he's six, six eight, eight. <laughs> so uh you you can definitely see the the potential um of but the production has not been there anywhere he's he's been in college so far. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, still three years of eligibility remaining. Uh, I think he just used up the one at San Diego State. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how that works with his community college stop. So does he not use a year of eligibility for that? No, typically you, you have an extra year built in for a red shirt or uh, going down a level. Okay. Um, so he should be fine there. That shouldn't have used up any eligibility. So three years of eligibility. So basically kind of stepping into the place of Trey Jackson. I mean, both listed at six, eight, both could shoot the ball or can shoot the ball fairly well. And, uh, coming into that same graduating class. So, um, as far as the roster math, you know, that's, you know, subtract, six eight forward with three years remaining gain a six eight forward with three years remaining that aspect of it makes sense but when you're taking a and maybe trey jackson was more of a project than we would typically see out of a top 100 recruit but there's no question that this guy is a project and you know, I would be pretty surprised if we saw meaningful contributions from him next season. There's, But there is going to be playing time available kind of at the three or four spot, depending on what happens with that last scholarship this offseason. I don't know. If he can maybe come in and spread the floor a little bit and actually make some shots, make some three-pointers especially, then I could see him maybe having a little bit of a role next year. But – one thing that was mentioned in an article I read about his uh, year in San Diego state was that he had struggles on the defensive end. And I don't know, I felt like, I feel like if you're going to give minutes to, you know, somebody who's struggling on the defensive end, you should have just given them to Trey Jackson before giving them to somebody that, you know, has really struggled to produce in college. So I don't even know if he's going to see much action because of the defensive struggles that he apparently has. Yeah, with just with the way everything's gone this offseason so far, uh, I, I totally understand where everybody's coming from at this point where it's just like, 
uh, things are everybody's pretty down and I, I completely understand so I agree uh, I don't think I don't think he's going to be providing meaningful minutes next season um, and I also agree with your comparison with Trey Jackson you know I don't I, I I just don't understand why fundamentally there was not a, a better effort to try and get Trey Jackson minutes uh, last season because yeah now I mean we're I don't know. We're trying the outside to looking we're, in. We're scrambling. Yeah, from the outside looking in, I mean, everybody was saying, "Give Trey Jackson minutes. You're, you're losing yeah. games anyway. What? What? How would it hurt? You yeah. know, get him some playing time. He's gonna transfer. He's gonna transfer. And then you know, the offseason comes and we go, please don't transfer. Please don't transfer. And then inevitably we get the news. And it was, you know, we we talked about it when it was announced. It wasn't shocking to anybody. And yeah. And they didn't um, want him to transfer, according to right. reports. So it's yeah. like okay. So now we're left with a probably less athletic. Uh, probably, I mean, maybe this guy can shoot a little bit better. Maybe Chan can shoot a little bit better than Trey Jackson, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. So with a lot of attractive options out there still, I think even though we've swung and missed on a lot of guys, I still think there's more attractive options out there that of, of guys that have put together better production um, at a higher level than a community yeah. college. So we'll see. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about how the transfer market just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Obviously players are committing elsewhere, but it seems like every day there's a new name that comes out that you're like, okay, that's intriguing. You know, that could mm-hmm. be a fit that could uh, provide some, some scoring. Um one guy let me try to make this go in some kind of order here um one guy that mizzou missed out on is first name is corvossier i believe is how you say that thanks to google and youtube for helping me attempt that pronunciation that was incredible now he was a d2 guy that looked like you know he could provide some of the scoring that Missouri is looking for, but he ended up choosing DePaul. Mm-hmm. And so that got a, that added to the Mizzou fans and, you know, rightfully so being like, okay, we're, were we really going after this guy? If we lost him to DePaul, surely, you know, you would hope not, but they offered him. Yeah. So you never know what's going on there, but yeah, that is disappointing to miss out on a guy like that, that, you know, looked like he could be a scoring solution. Um, let's see here. So two transfers that Mizzou has offered that are, I believe, making decisions fairly soon are, and we've talked about both of them are Drew Bugs and Jared Hyder. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bugs has a final three of Mizzou, Iowa State, and Loyola Marymount. Does Do you know of a decision day for him? Has he put anything out there? All I've seen is that he would probably be deciding this weekend. So I don't know uh, if there's been an actual date or time set, but probably in the next few days, by the time you're listening to this, we'll probably know fairly soon on Drew Bugs. And and he is a guy that, we talked about him last week a little bit. He's kind of a do-everything guy for Hawaii. Uh, You know, he's – I think he's known as kind of a pass first guy, but he still averaged almost 10 points a game. He had over five assists a game and, and uh, four and a half rebounds a game. So, you know, definitely a guy who definitely, at least just looking at those numbers, a guy that 
plays hard, uh, incorporates the team. Um, he's going to have one year to play. Uh, but, you know, I think that that raises con- that's raised some concerns about uh, Xavier Pinson is, you know, what's the status on him? Because, you know, clearly uh, Xavier Pinson's going to be expected to come in and run the team uh, next year. So why are we recruiting a point guard graduate transfer who has one year to play and run the team? Um, so obviously we don't know anything on Pinson, if whether he's going to uh, return to school or not. But the fact that, that we, we're going to – And we won't know. Yeah, we won't know for a while. But um, the fact that we're going so hard after bugs is a little bit concerning on the Xavier Pinson front for sure. I would agree. Unless they're looking at bugs as like a some type of insurance at the point guard spot. if Or asking Xavier... him to play off the ball a little bit or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the timing of that doesn't make sense for it to be insurance because he's going to commit somewhere before Pinson has to decide whether he's going to stay in the draft or not. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, we, we've talked about it so many times how impossible it is to try to get inside the minds of the, of especially this basketball staff to try to figure out what they're thinking with certain scenarios, but right. Um, seems like a talented guy. However, do we have enough guys that can make shots for him to pass to? I right. don't, I right. don't exactly seems, know. Seems redundant for sure. Yeah. And then the other one, Jared Hyder, um, he, I have him down in my notes as committing this weekend as well. Mm-hmm. Saturday. Okay, cool. And was there a list of finalists there? Yeah. So, and th- again, this is the guy we talked about a little bit last week, but um, he's kind of a point guard, shooting guard uh, from Fresno State. He's a f- he just finished his freshman year, uh, about nine points a game. So, you know, a guy who has played pretty well his freshman year still has uh, three years to go. Um, He's a West Coast guy, so uh, he's got Cal, Mizzou, St. Mary's, Washington State, and BYU in his top five. So definitely, uh, if you're just comparing uh, schools, like basketball program to basketball program, I, it seems like Missouri's got a pretty good shot there. Um, but I'm not sure geographically um, it makes sense with, you know, his life. <laughs> you know, I think he, right. he's from California, and all of his other schools he's interested are West Coast. So um, I think he's – one of the most attractive options that uh, are left as far as guys that Missouri has a shot with. Um, and we have one sc- with the addition of, of Ed Chang today. I think we have one scholarship left. Um, I think I'd like to see Jared Hyder take that spot, but unless there's a more attractive option out there that we think we still have a shot at, but I don't know. Yeah. I think Hyder makes perfect sense. We've talked about, you know, having a guy that can kind of bridge the gap between uh, in theory, Xavier Pinson, and then life beyond Xavier Pinson. So he would be able to accomplish that unless if Pinson does come back, maybe he leaves after his junior year instead of yeah. after his sophomore year. You never know. Uh, funny you mentioned BYU. I saw that the uh, Purdue big man, uh, I forget his name. He announced Arms. That, Yeah. He's going to BYU and um, chose them over Kentucky. So it seems like, you know, of course, Kentucky was going to swoop in and get this um, highly touted transfer. It seems like they've done such a good job of complementing their five-star, you know, top five recruiting classes with a graduate transfer that can mm-hmm. kind of be a little bit of an anchor. So, Yeah, Kentucky could be an interesting situation next year. Uh, it seems like, I mean, they've had a max ex- exodus of guys going to the NBA uh, this year. As and per usual. I, 
per usual, uh, but it seems like they don't have as many guys maybe coming in yet or something. I don't know, but uh, it definitely seems like things could be a little dicey for, for Kentucky on Kentucky standards uh, next well, season. And, but Yeah. And talk about redundant. I mean, they've got like six players coming in that are like between six, six and six, eight, all yeah. forwards. Yeah. So I don't know how they're going to, and one of them being Cam Fletcher. Yeah. Cam Fletcher, uh, come on down to uh, Mizzou. If you, if you change your mind, I think he's signed with Kentucky at this point. Oh, yeah. I think that's a, that's yeah. a pipe dream. Yeah. I mean, uh, surely if he asked out of his uh, letter of intent, they'd be like, yeah, we're probably fine. <laughs> but, but uh, Calipari is, is, he is just an incredible coach, man. Yeah, like even with the talent that he gets every year, I, I still feel like, he doesn't get the credit sometimes for putting together the teams he does with just a bunch of guys who've never played college basketball before. Yep. I know uh, they're always, you know, NBA talent, uh, but it's, I still think that he does a great job with uh, the situation that he, that he has. So I'm sure he'll still find a way to have a top 10, 15 team somehow next year. But right now, if you're looking at it on paper, uh, it, it looks a, a potentially dicey for them. Yeah, somebody's going to be on the short end of the stick when it comes to minutes on the wing. But, yeah, what you say about Calipari is spot on because – and you can see it over the course of a season. Like, even yeah. just this past season, uh, them losing to Evansville was like, oh, geez, this, you know, raised a lot of questions. Oh, this Kentucky team, you know, are they going to come together? And then, you know, they had a big run in SEC play where they won a bunch of games and – just like, yeah. oh, yeah, they're not going to have a problem. They're going to They be... always do. They always yeah. put it together. I think even uh, one of the worst seasons they've had in a long time was uh, the year they had Julius Randle. And uh, I think they were like a nine seed play tournament in like 2014 or something. And they never gone to the final four. So, yeah. you know, even in seasons where they're a little bit maybe more disappointing than others, they still find a way to, to uh, be good by the end of the season. Uh, let's see here. The only other basketball thing I think I had was, uh, Pierre Brooks, um, was a 2021 basketball recruit, uh, traditional, um, high school recruit that Missouri was in on and had offered and he picked Michigan state, which was not a shocker because he's from Michigan. I, he had a Michigan and a Michigan state offer. So I had kind of already written this guy off as, uh, someone that was going to stay in his home state. So this wasn't a big shocker, and, you know, we're – until – I feel like there's a, an opportunity maybe to – and obviously this didn't come true with uh, David uh, DeJulius, but I felt like there was maybe a good idea in there somewhere to, you know, to be making contact with these guys, and when Michigan and Michigan State end up with all these players and – inevitably there's a uh, playing time issues or, you know, players getting recruited over. Then maybe Missouri steps in and is like, Hey, if you're looking to transfer, you know, if they enter the transfer portal, then Missouri's there. And, you know, there's some familiarity with the staff or something like that. Now, obviously that's not really, that's not a sound recruiting strategy to be reaching out and making offers to guys on the off chance that they transfer. Um, but I don't know. It seems like, when so many players from Michigan end up at those two schools, then yeah. inevitably, if you were going to transfer every year. Right. I mean, I understand your point. I mean, not uh, like with, with how many transfers there are, you're going to have like second rounds with a lot of different guys, guys you've, you recruited the first time around. 
Um, so, I mean, yeah, it doesn't hurt to uh, shoot your shot with, with guys. And, you know, with, with the Michigan guys, though, like we've talked about it, they if they truly have an offer from Michigan or Michigan State, they just aren't leaving, at least yeah. not the first time around. So Right. Yeah, it may take them a year to realize they don't want to be in Michigan anymore, but uh, at least that, yeah, like you said, that first time around, they're going to stay in state. Um, let's see. I think that's basically all the news I had. Um, at least the basketball news you mentioned. Um, and I did see this on Twitter that there was some 24 seven sports crystal ball updates. Um, yeah, to just share. a couple, uh, football recruiting notes. Um, you know, we're pretty well acquainted with Travian Ford at this point. He's a defensive end from Lutheran North in uh, St. Louis. And, uh, He's a, a 21 guy, uh, four star. And yeah, so uh, there's some crystal ball picks that were trending for Mizzou, for, uh, Mizzou uh, this week. And that would be a massive recruiting win for, for Missouri if they were able to land him. I, I've kind of honestly just counted him out. I don't know if counted him out is the right term, but just I, I was not going to be surprised if he went elsewhere because it just seems like he is. Um, so heavily recruited by so many different programs, so many great programs. So uh, for Missouri to land him, it would be huge. Um, I don't know if there's a, an announcement coming soon for him or anything like that, uh, but definitely some crystal ball picks is, is exciting. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's definitely, I mean, when Coach Drinkwitz talks about securing the borders and, you know, locking down the state of Missouri, this is the type of guy that, you know, would headline a recruiting class where you can point to in later seasons and say, Hey, look, this guy, you know, came out of St. Louis or stayed in state and uh, was really successful at Missouri. You know, if everything goes according to plan. Yeah. And historically a guy that uh, leaves the state and goes somewhere else. So we've got to keep Ohio state out of this recruitment because it seems like a lot of St. Louis guys go there. I was going to say, if he was a wide receiver, I would, definitely write him off because (laughs) if they're you know like if you look at the top five wide receivers in the state of Missouri every season Missouri's lucky to get one of them yeah and it's not going to be the number one (laughs) Mm -hmm. have you seen a lot of the former players uh kind of tweeting graphics and stuff and just saying that they appreciated their time at Missouri and stuff like that I think that's pretty cool yeah it's obviously getting retweeted and favorited by everybody so it pops up on my Twitter feed nonstop. but yeah that is very cool and it it's exactly, I mean, like what I'm talking about, what could be with Travion Ford is in later seasons, you're pointing back to it and he would be one of those guys. So obviously that's the, the pitch that the staff is making, you know, right. look at these guys who came through and were successful and came yeah. out of St. Louis and that's going to be you next time. And he seems to really be enjoying the recruitment process. At least he likes the marketing uh, team's graphics for not just Missouri. I saw one it was uh, an NFL draft centered one. It was, it was also kind of confusing because it was like a poker table with like poker chips and cards that Nebraska sent him that he tweeted out. <laughs> and, but then it was also like saying that he was getting drafted number one in the NFL draft. And I wasn't sure how those went together, but. Recruiting graphics are crazy, man. I yeah. don't even even know but it was a cool uh, graphic but just the logic of it i wasn't sure about (laughs) and i wanted an opportunity to like say something negative about nebraska (laughs) um what was i gonna say 
I don't even, oh, okay, I remember. Um, I Yeah, I just think that the the Missouri guys staying home and going to Missouri is such a, I don't know, a chance to be beloved by a program for a long time. And obviously that's not always what matters to players, nor maybe should it, should it be what matters. But um, I think that is something that is a positive that you can pitch to people and, you know, uh, probably the first guy that comes to mind at least in recent years is uh is drew locker terry beckner jr um guys from missouri that were very very highly recruited and ended up staying home and you know i think that missouri fans will remember and respect those guys for the rest of history you know um guys that kind of just wrote their own story and and stayed home and there's drew lock right there and uh I don't know. I, I think that there's something special about, about staying home and, and being successful for the, the home state school. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if, if Coach Drinkwitz is able to land this type of recruit consistently, then it's, it's a whole different ball game for Mizzou football. Mm-hmm. If, he, if he's successful, I mean, you know, we've talked about it with every – the Mizzou fan base has – joked about this with every coach you know in recent memory that oh they come in they say they're gonna uh, lock down the state of Missouri and you you know players are gonna want to play for the, the the home state school but if one of these coaches was actually able to and and um, Terry Beckner Jr. and Drew Locke those were both Gary Pinkle recruits and we saw what happened with the Tiger 10 with Barry Odom and he, he found a little bit more traction later um, in his, in his coaching career at Missouri, but man, the recruiting classes that are possible just blow everything that Barry Odom did out of the water. Yeah. I mean, every year there, if you just look at the top players in the state of Missouri, they're going to Ohio state, Texas, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, you know, sometimes all in the same season. Yeah. And sometimes there's just nothing you can do about that. I think um, just no matter who is Missouri's coach, you're going to have those top level guys go elsewhere. Sometimes that's just what happens. But if, if you can just keep some of them, you know, and uh, I, the tiger 10, you know, it'll just be something that, you know, we kind of always look back on as, I don't know, you know, it was at the time it was super disappointing, super swing and a miss, you know, Daniel Parker jr. Being the only one that stayed and, I mean, he's been a good player and some of those players have gone on to do great things and some of them haven't done as much, but um, the, I mean, that was a stressful recruiting season because we just put so many resources into, th- into those 10 guys and just kind of all not, spurned not us. Not dissimilar from the 2020 basketball recruiting class. Yeah, it's true. Honestly, that Tiger 10 in football is one uh, those are guys that I always look back you know, I'll look and see if, if I happen to see a box score for, you know, USC or Oklahoma, you know, I'm looking for those names that I know were part of that recruiting class. And that's going to be the same way next year in college basketball for um, Caleb Love, Josh Christopher and Cam Fletcher. I'm going to be, you know, going over to Ken Palm and looking at, you know, how their uh, analytic numbers are doing. And I'll be keeping track of those teams. And that's, it's a lot easier to do in college basketball because of resources like Ken Palm. But yeah, that, that tiger 10 is one that where you just, it's just kind of fascinating to keep an eye on those guys. 
Yeah, it's just hard for players sometimes too to make a difference from the beginning in, on in football teams. I think it just typically you don't play very much, you know, your first year or two sometimes, and even when you are pretty high rec- highly recruited. But um, I definitely think the one guy, you know, is, is Ronnie Perkins that will always look back. And I mean, I think that we knew at the time he was probably the number one priority of the Tiger 10, and he's been by far the best college player out of that group as well. But, you know, I just don't know if there's anything you can do to stop him from going to Oklahoma. Oklahoma is yeah. just a top five college football program ever in the country. Yeah. You know, they and just sometimes on I top just of don't... the game currently. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know um, that, like I said, we were disappointed at the time, but uh, sometimes I don't know what you can do. But I, I definitely do think that Coach Drinkwitz is, is, has kind of brought a, a an attitude uh, that I think will be harder to turn away. I think he is uh, a, a dynamite recruiter, at least he's, he's showing it at initially. So I, I'm definitely excited to see what he can do in the state of Missouri. Um, should we mention there was a kind of a, a newsworthy, well, several, many articles were written about it. Um, you'll have to help me on the player's name, but it was a running back that uh, – was basically encouraged to transfer away from Missouri. And there was a lot of opinions going around about that in particular. And so I didn't have this down to talk about, but it just kind of popped into my mind. Um, Maybe, you know, we can just kind of give our thoughts on that. I'll let you go first if you want. Yeah, that's um, Anthony Watkins, I think is his name. I'm double checking that. Yeah. Anthony Watkins uh, was a, a running back from Texas. Uh, he put up crazy numbers in high school and I was a little bit surprised that he wasn't more highly recruited than he really was, but he was definitely a guy that I was excited about uh, at Missouri and he didn't play very much his freshman year, which is again expected um, whenever, you know, we've got some great running backs with Tyler Beatty and Larry Roundtree. Um, but I guess, yeah, reports have come out recently that he was, uh, that he was going to transfer and then and when given the chance to talk a little bit, he kind of came out and said that he was asked to leave and uh, that there wasn't really a spot for him anymore and stuff like that. So um, it's an interesting situation. It's definitely uh, not an ideal situation for either party. I, uh, you know, there's always two sides to a story, so we don't really know exactly what happened. But, you know, I'm sure that what he's saying is, is true, at least to some degree. Uh, you know, we have some scholarship reductions that we had to make for the NCAA sanctions. Uh, anytime you've got a new coaching staff coming in, sometimes there's just uh, philosophical differences on, how, you know, maybe how a player fits into a scheme and stuff like that. So or just how many whole, of one position you want to carry. Right. There's a whole slew of, of things that, that could happen or could explain why uh, there's not a spot for him anymore. But um, it's definitely not anything you like to see, you know, a player being feeling forced out, you know, want, being asked to leave whenever they don't, and then they hadn't planned to. So um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that, uh, I'm not surprised by the, by that. I mean, that's, th- that's, it's, it's a, it's big business, unfortunately. And that's something that, that probably happens fairly often. Um, but something you don't like to see happen to, uh, especially college kids. Right. And when I first read the, the first article I read about it was, I think on the athletic and, um, I was kind of taken aback at first, like, I really had to process what I was reading because you hearing it from his point of view, it's kind of startling just 
how it's it, based on what he was saying, it seemed like there was some confusion, you know, uh, that maybe the coaching staff weren't all on the same page uh, and they kind of had to maybe get their story straight between each other before they um, kind of followed up with him on what was going on. But, you know, I do think it's worth noting, you know, I'm trying not to be, to defend the coaching staff too terribly much. Although, like you said, it is kind of just part of the game nowadays and it has been for a really long time. Um, it's worth noting that according to the articles I read, he was going to be able to keep his scholarship to the university. Um, but basically he was getting cut from the team, which nobody likes getting cut from a team. Yeah. Um, especially I mean, when, when you were a scholarship player. So that's super yeah. disappointing. And then obviously the staff, is going to encourage you to transfer one because that way you'd be playing football, which they assume you want to do. And two, if you transfer, then you're not using a scholarship. Um, so it kind of goes hand in hand, but obviously it's better for the staff for him to transfer and not be using that scholarship, even though they weren't necessarily going to just take it away from him. Yeah. Um, Obviously, we've known that there's going to have to be some reductions in scholarships. Um, so, you know, I had a feeling that we might see some guys transfer. Um, this isn't pr exactly how I thought it would happen. But again, I'm not super surprised. Um, and I think that we currently sit at 80, oh, 80 or 81. I, I think we're one under what the limit is currently for scholarships with the four reductions we had to take. Uh, for the sanctions. So that may mean, uh, you know, we may have another late edition coming in. And I think that news may have come before they added the, the center from Rutgers, the graduate transfer. I'm not sure, but we, I think we may still see another late edition, like a graduate transfer or something like that happen. Uh, perfect segue. You want to tell me about this graduate transfer? Or do you have oh, something yeah. else you want to bring up before um, that? I actually completely forgot to write that down in my notes, which is funny. <laughs> um, and I don't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, well, talk about talk about the other uh, um, crystal ball, and I'll look up. Okay, yeah. The other crystal ball that we got just recently, I think in the last 24 hours, was uh, Taj Butts. He is a running back from uh, DeSmet in St. Louis. Um and he's not quite as highly recruited as Travian Ford, but definitely, um, you know, still a guy that's, that's being recruited by the, the Indianas and the Kentuckys of the world. So definitely um, still a, a power five, you know, consistent with power five teams. So it's, uh, and I, so that would be just another in-state guy that would be good to land, I think. So definitely some, some momentum on the recruiting trail. It, it seems like as of late. Yeah, it's all, uh, very good news in the crystal ball. Well, this is very off topic, but speaking of crystal ball, did you notice that uh, Trey, Jackson, Trey Jackson has a transfer crystal ball on 24-7 sports that has him 100%? Uh, that could just be one prediction uh, to Mississippi State, which yeah. uh, why <laughs> stay in the conference? Uh, I don't want to see him be really successful i want to see him be very successful that's the problem i want him to be successful but uh, i don't want him to punish missouri and make right. us regret it year after year when we play them sometimes you multiple know, times <laughs> um 
as recently even as like a couple of years ago i feel like there used to be some like restrictions on like inner conference transferring and stuff like that you could just i think straight up block them yeah i think even when like jw3 was was transferring i feel like there was some kind of something that came up where missouri was blocking him with certain schools or teams they were going to play in the next year or two or something like that yeah they blocked him from transferring to any school in the conference plus anybody that was on their schedule for the next two seasons which was quite a few schools compared which to is zero. Something I, yeah, which is something I feel like just doesn't really happen anymore because right. there's like so much public backlash whenever you block a student right. from going where they want to go, which is understandable. But uh, yeah, so now we're probably going to have to see Trey Jackson maybe twice a year for the next three years. Um, you know, I saw some people on, on the internet that were like, I good, I hope he burns us. And, you know, I, I don't know. Like I said, yeah. Like you, were, if, like you said, I, I hope that he's successful, but it's going to be a bummer to see him uh, potentially go off against us. Yeah. If he, if he burns Mizzou by being a really good player, then fine. That's good for him. Uh, I don't necessarily want to see him like burn Mizzou by, you know, in like a head to head matchup. Yeah. Scoring 25 points and leading them to a win <laughs> or something in Mizzou arena. That would be so sad. Yeah, that would be sad. Kyle, the offensive line graduate transfer is named Michael Mayetti. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, this is a nice addition for sure, especially since we're losing uh, Tristan Clone Castillo. Um, I know that we – I should have looked up his name. I know that we have a guy who who backed up Colon Castillo last year, who I think going to be a sophomore or junior this year, um, who will fight uh, Mietti. How did you say his last name? It's spelled M-A-I-E-T-T-I. Okay, so they they will duel for the uh, for the starting job at center, but definitely a uh, a great addition. Um, and I think that he started a lot of games at Rutgers. Um, so definitely a, a guy who just seems to be a consistent producer for sure. Yeah, you can't have too much offensive line depth and adding a guy who has experience at the Division One level, Power 5 conference, I will take it anytime, mm-hmm. pretty much any offseason. I actually think that he went somewhat viral for something he did last season where uh, – and I remember seeing this after it happened, you know, at the time this past fall, but I think it got Brad- – uh, brought back up whenever he I guess they scored a touchdown or something and so he was celebrating with his quarterback and he got really excited and like literally like punched him in the face almost because he was like so they were like just that's how he was celebrating I guess he was trying to just like <laughs> shove him or something but he just literally punched him in the face pretty much but well, I hope he has lots of touchdowns to celebrate next season yeah just go easy on whoever's quarterback please less violently yeah <laughs> All right, Kyle, I think we've exhausted our news and any uh, tangents we might be able to go on outside of the news. So are you ready to talk about the 2020 NFL draft? Oh, absolutely. And uh, in honor of my Kansas City Chiefs, I'm wearing my, uh, my big red shirt. So uh, with mm-hmm. Andy Reid plastered on the, on the front of it. So, um, yeah, you know, Missouri definitely has some guys who have a, have a chance to get drafted. You know, there's definitely two guys that will for sure be drafted. We just don't know exactly where. Um, but the first guy I'm going to start I'm going to start out with is the yeah, an obvious uh, 
guy that will probably go on day two, and that's Jordan Elliott. Um, he was graded as one of the best defensive tackles in the uh, in the country this year by Pro Football Focus. Um, you know, just watching Jordan Elliott, you know, it's obvious that he has great lateral quickness, very agile feet. Um, he's a great run stopper. Uh, I think he definitely has some room to improve in his pass rush. Um, but, you know, one thing that he dealt with a lot this past year was just being uh, focused. You know, he was double teamed. He was very well respected by the opposing teams we played. So he was sometimes just taken out of plays because he was double teamed. Um, and so that's understandable. He'll probably play a lot more one-on-one -on -one situations in the NFL. Um, but I, I would predict that Jordan Elliott is a third round pick. Um, I think he could go as high as a second rounder potentially, um, but more likely to probably be a third or fourth round pick. Okay. So I told myself, this year that whatever I felt with my heart, I was just going to use my brain and predict one round later, a full round later for every single player. And then, but I really, really wanted, I really think Jordan Elliott goes in the second round. So I'm just going to stick with it. I'm going to just go into existence. I, I was so wrong last year on literally everybody. And now, you know, I just really think Jordan Elliott's going to go in the second round. You've been hurt, but you're ready to be hurt again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last year was was terrible. I it mean, was. I, I literally thought that, like, five guys were potentially going to get drafted. And, yeah. and even the two that were, were, you know, uh, Drew Locke was, I mean, what pick was he overall? 42nd. Yeah, and, and he, we I thought literally he could be a, thought he, a top ten pick. I literally thought he was going to go tenth, and then Terry Beckner dropping all the way to the seventh round. I thought, I'm pretty sure I predicted fifth round when yeah. we did this last year. So that will definitely not happen with Jordan Elliott. I can absolutely assure you of that. I, I mean, I've I've looked at a lot of mock draft stuff, and everybody has Jordan Elliott as a top five, top six defensive tackle. So I can promise you he's not going to go later than like the fourth round, but I do, I do think that, you know, he's good enough to go in the second round. You know, I think he could be a starter for a lot of NFL teams, you know, within a year or two of him being in the NFL. Um, but yeah. And, and I think another thing that's interesting about this year's draft is um, it's just that they're doing it online and there's not uh, they, they probably didn't get as much time with some of the more obscure guys from smaller schools and stuff. So I think it's, it's possible that, you know, you see even a higher number than normal of uh, power five conference guys go. So, you know, I, I, a year for Jordan Elliott and, and Albert O this might be, uh, they might get drafted even higher than they normally would this year. Yeah. And I think, yeah. I can only hope you're right, I guess, because I don't know. I just don't know. And I feel like, uh, I feel like I always get suckered in with the NFL draft and like the, I mean, with Jordan Elliott, especially just the stuff that I was seeing, um, like you mentioned from pro football focus and uh, some of the combine type stuff had me really excited for him, maybe even being a first rounder. So mm -hmm. let's just say that I am tempering my expectations because I thought he was going to be a first rounder. So now I'm going to just like say, okay, more reasonably he'll be a second rounder. Yeah. I got you. Um, the next guy uh, I just mentioned him is uh, Albert O. Um, I think that he has probably the highest ceiling to be the best NFL player out of any of the Mizzou guys. 
Um, I think he has a very wide range of possible outcomes, but I do think that he has the highest ceiling probably by far out of anybody from Missouri this season. Um, again, just watching Alberto play, it's very obvious. He's a tremendous athlete. He has incredible speed and size. Um, he ran like, what was it? Like the fastest, like 40 time for a yeah, tight four, end. In four, the last, four, like, nine. like the fastest tight end time in the last like 15 years or something like that. So obviously he's um he can do incredible things for how big he is um he constantly wins like 50 50 balls um in the end zone he scored so many touchdowns at missouri i think he scored a touchdown like every four or five receptions which is just nuts so obviously he's a huge target um i think some areas of of improvement for him are clearly he's not a great blocker um he's pretty coverable in like short underneath routes you know we didn't see a whole lot of uh his route tree was not super expansive. You know, he kind of could just outrun guys up the middle. And, uh, you know, that, that's where we saw a lot of his receptions were just because he was wide open down the middle um, or wide open in the end zone. And so, uh, you know, I think that he needs to show that he can make tougher, more uh, contested catches on shorter, more underneath routes. Um, I think that there's, I think some scouts have definitely questioned his toughness and his willingness to play through pain because, you know, we saw him miss a lot of t- a lot of time at Missouri. He left a lot of games because he was he was injured. Um, yeah, his durability is a pretty big question mark for me. Yeah, sometimes that's unavoidable, and sometimes it's it's a lack of toughness and and willingness to play through pain. So, um, I think that's a legitimate concern. Um, and you know, this is a guy who, again, I I think I would not be shocked if he was a second round pick, and I wouldn't be shocked if he was a fifth round pick. I just have no idea where he's going to end up. So I'll just say he's going to be a third round pick. Okay. I'm going to go with fourth round. And think, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, I think that if I have any reason to believe that he might go a little bit higher is because of the depth at the tight end position in this draft. You know, a lot of the mock drafts I've, I've seen, or a lot of the, you know, the, the analysts I, or scouts that I've, I've heard from, say that you know he's the second or third best tight end in the draft so you know if a team's looking for a tight end then maybe he goes a little bit higher uh, maybe he goes in the second or third round but uh, again it's it's going to be really tough to predict I think where Alberto goes yeah I think I could see him maybe going to a team that has like a, a veteran tight end that's maybe you know uh, we've I have probably mentioned before, I'm not sure on or off the podcast that the NFL seems like it's really moving towards a two tight end system. It's becoming really popular. I mean, unless you have one of the standout guys like a Travis Kelsey or George Kittle or um, something like that, then a lot of teams and for a while now have been utilizing the kind of, you know, more traditional blocking tight end versus the more wide receiver like tight end. Right. Um, so maybe I could see him going to a team that kind of has that stability um, of maybe like a, a more reliable tight end that you're not going to have to worry about how many games they miss. You're not going to have to worry about them, you know, missing their blocks and stuff like that. And they can just maybe uh, groom Albert O a little bit more into that side of the yeah. ball and into that side of the position and just right from the beginning, use him just as a pure pass catcher and, you know, red zone target. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm not making a, 
I'm not making a comparison here, but, you know, I do think that he fits the mold of, of a guy that the NFL is moving towards in, in the future for tight ends. You know, that some of the, like you said, some of the most successful uh, and notable tight ends, you know, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, guys that are basically just big wide receivers. They can go out and run routes. And uh, that's clearly something that Albert O is. He, he's just a, a big guy who, you know, can run super fast and he, he's got decent hands. So um, he, I think he fits the mold of, of a guy that the NFL is moving towards uh, for, for, for tight ends. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he could really set himself apart similarly to a George Kittle if he were able to develop you know, George Kittle sets himself apart by being an amazing pass catcher, but also doing the dirty work, you know, yeah. being one of the best blocking tight ends, the best block, blocking tight end in the NFL currently, um, in addition to, you know, his success catching the ball. So if Alberto was able to develop that part of his game just a little bit, then he could set himself apart because of his athleticism and just his size and being, like I said, that red zone target. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with fourth round. That's really that making up. I'm tempering my expectations even more to make up for not doing so on Jordan Elliott. <laughs> That's understandable. Um, you know, the next few guys, um, I, you know, I'm not, we may only have two guys drafted this year. I really don't know. I think there's a few guys that have a shot to go, you know, in that sixth or seventh round, but the next guy I'm going to talk about is Kale Garrett um, had an incredible career at Missouri uh, he's tough as nails. He a Taurus pectoral muscle against Troy and played the rest of the game. Um, obviously, it, you know, that the mental aspect of his game is tremendous. I think he's a great leader. Um, you can see his ability to, you know, see the blocks coming and avoid them. Uh, he can read the quarterback's eyes. You know, he's not, his weaknesses are definitely, you know, athleticism and, you know, and, and his injury concern, you know, how long is his rehab situation going to take with his torn pectoral muscle? But, you know, with some of the, his mental uh, abilities definitely kind of made up for what he lacked in athleticism. I think just knowing where to be all the time and uh, being able to read uh, the offense and and know what they're going to do before they do it. I think he just put himself in the right position a lot of the times, but you know, you, you can get by with that in college sometimes, but you know, I definitely don't know how common that is uh, at the NFL level. Obviously, it's happened where, you know, under, you know, under or below average athleticism, you can, you can play, but um, it doesn't happen as often in the NFL as it does in college. Yeah, I mean, it's his instincts on the defensive side of the ball were just incredible. And he was the prototypical um, under-recruited player that Missouri has been successful with, you know, forever. Just getting a guy, getting him into the system, a guy that really just fits. He fits so perfectly what Barry Odom wanted to do on defense. And with just had, had, like I said, the instincts to just know where to be all the time. And that little stretch he had his senior season um, before he got hurt where he had multiple touchdowns and, you know, had like between he and Nick Bolton, they were just on an absolute tear for about a three game stretch there where it got people really excited for the rest of the season because the defense looked like they were going to be able to actually 
put points on the board in most games, uh, let alone prevent the other team mm-hmm. from doing so. And it was so gutting when he went down with injury and we knew that he was gone for the rest of the season. And that yeah. was sort of like the first domino to fall that sort of made the season be just downright disappointing and ultimately let, uh, led to Barry Odom being fired. I mean, I think something that we overlooked because it happened so early in the season when we talked about last football season was if Kale Garrett doesn't get injured, there's a chance the defense, you know, is good enough to win them a couple extra games. And yeah. then you it's know, possible Barry games. Odom's still the coach at Missouri. Yes. If, I, I think that's probably where you're getting. Uh, but I agree with you. I mean, a healthy Gale, Kale Garrett all season, who yeah. knows where Missouri's season goes, but um, yeah, that was one of the more painful things as a, as a sports fan, I, you know, just that I can remember was just knowing Kale Garrett's, his career was done for sure. Yeah. But his career seemed to go so quickly. You know, I, I remember with the day he, you know, he flipped from Navy to Mizzou and it was like really close to the end of the re- recruiting cycle. And, uh, man, I, I couldn't be happier that he, uh, made the move. Um, I've got him as an undrafted free agent, though, probably signing on with a team, maybe even before the draft, like like the night that the draft is complete. We'll, we'll, yep. we'll probably see a tweet. Yep, I'm going to agree with you. I, I think he's going to be an undrafted free agent. Uh, the next guy is Trevor Wallace-Sims. Um, again, a guy who had a great career at Missouri um, on the offensive line, he was pretty versatile. I, th- I think he played multiple positions, and I think that you know that's kind of something he's pitching himself on for the next level as well, so he can play guard or tackle. Um, uh, again, he-, he was graded very well by Pro Football Focus, uh, one of the nation's best pass uh, protectors. So um, good footwork, uh, pretty agile for his size. Um, you know, I I, th- I think that he's a guy who could sneak into the seventh round potentially um he's probably third or fourth on my list of guys who who will be drafted uh for mizzou yeah i don't think i could predict anybody else to actually be picked um i do see some you know free agent offers being uh taken on by these guys um wallace sims is just an interesting situation because he just like the entire offensive line was so much better um, his junior season yeah, and really struggled at times this past year. Um, Kelly Bryant getting hurt didn't help that, Um, you know, having to play with different quarterbacks didn't help at all, but it was just looked at in preseason as an absolute strength of this team. And they were going to be one of the better offensive lines in the sec, if not the best you know, right up there at the top and to see some regression pretty much across the board from the offensive line was uh, another really di- disappointing part of last season. And another thing that led to, uh, you know, fewer wins and Barry Odom not sticking around. So I wonder, I don't remember if uh, he had any draft buzz this time last year um, after his junior season, but I wonder if maybe he could have capitalized on it, you know, a really successful season for that unit as a whole. For sure, yeah, it's a good point. And he actually was kind of graded out as a sixth, seventh round pick uh, last year, this time last year. So I actually do think his draft stock went down um, by him coming back, which is probably not common. 
but yeah, we there was some weird regression on the offensive line uh, for Missouri this year and uh, just weren't as good on the ground. Um, and yeah, I, I, it was a little almost unexplainable at times why that happened. Uh, but do you have anything else you want to add on Sims? No, I think uh, undrafted free agent as well. Um, I still uh, right there with Kale Garrett, though. I think, you know, I think we'll see something. We'll see him attached to a team pretty much immediately after the draft is over. Yeah, I would say uh, the next guy on my list that probably has the best chance to be drafted uh, is probably Yasir Durant, and he played uh, left tackle for Mizzou for the last two seasons, I believe. Um, again, a guy who had a very very good year two seasons ago was fine this past year um but i would say pretty much everybody we talk uh, talk about from here on out is probably undrafted free agent maybe sneaking into the seventh round maybe one of these guys sneaks into the seventh round but yeah um i i'm I, just the rest of the list i have uh isir durant jonathan johnson kelly bryant uh tristan Colon castillo and demarcus ac like i would say all of those guys um had great mizzou careers and jonathan johnson's like you know, one of the highest yardage of any Mizzou receiver we've ever had. Yeah. Um, you know, Demarcus Acey, just tremendous. You know, last year or two um, at cornerback. So another and he, injury. And he's versatile. That, another injury that really affected the team down the stretch. Yeah. So you know, I, I could see any number, uh, you know, any one of these guys maybe sneaking in to the seventh round, but I would say probably all, all or most of them being undrafted free agents. Yeah, AC was one that, um, you know, I really preseason I would have put him ahead of probably, obviously not Jordan Elliott or Albert O, but I probably would have had Demarcus AC ahead of Kale Garrett and Yasir Durant as far as most likely to get drafted, mm-hmm. um, and it didn't seem like he did anything to really warrant not staying, you know, in that on that draft bubble. Um, So I don't know what the, uh, what the scouts didn't like about his uh, senior season, maybe that I just didn't really pick up on, but you know, it seemed like Missouri's defense was way better when he was on the field. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's definitely a a guy that Missouri is going to miss next year. Um, That'll definitely be a a big role that, uh, you know, Jarvis Ware or, Adam Sparks will have to to uh, jump up and fill for sure. But, yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't really know a lot about his draft prospects and, and why his stock probably fell a little bit. Um, but I do think, you know, he's a versatile option. He can play quarterback or safety. So, um, you know, if these teams have really done their their research, you know, deep into these prospects, it's it's very possible that a team jumps up and gets him in the seventh round or something like that. Um. I think we've talked about before how maybe the actually the uh, coronavirus and, you know, teams not being able to do as much in-person scouting and do interviews in person and stuff like that might actually help Kelly Bryant um, because he's just such a known figure, a known quantity um, as far as college quarterbacks, because he's been in the spotlight with Clemson and he was high profile graduate transfer. Everybody knew what it was going on with him and Mizzou. Um, seems like uh, following a trend here of players that got injured at some point and last season and kind of 
really uh, messed up Mizzou's chances of winning a couple more games. So I could maybe see, I could see a team maybe signing him, um, you know, just wanting him to be a backup. And I don't think, I want to say like scout team to like replicate, um, you know, replicate some mobile quarterbacks that teams might be facing, but I don't know. I don't think, I think there's, you wouldn't need as big of a name as Kelly Bryant to be a scout team quarterback. I could see him actually just, you know, competing in that third string or backup role for a team. Yeah, you know, I really haven't heard any buzz at all about him um, in this year's uh, draft. But, um, you know, you make a good point that that seems to be kind of the direction the NFL is going, at least right now with NF- with uh, quarterbacks is uh, a lot of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now are, are mobile quarterbacks that can hurt you uh, on the ground or through the air. And that's something Kelly Bryant can do. Obviously not at the level that, that we've seen in the NFL, but um, – someone that could maybe emulate a Russell Wilson or a Patrick Mahomes or somebody that can move around and, and not, it doesn't just sit in the pocket and, and hurt you to the air. So um, yeah, maybe there's some, some appeal for, for, like you said, having Kelly Bryant, you know, kind of play scout team or, or fight for that third or fourth string uh, quarterback job. Yeah. I don't, uh, again, I don't see him getting drafted. I think, you know, a real pessimist would argue that maybe he was exposed a little bit, um, at Mizzou that he kind of showed that he wasn't, you know, really a quarterback that could just kind of take over and um, lead his team to a win without the supporting cast that he had at Clemson. Obviously, there there was a step down in that department when he came to Mizzou. So a pessimist would say that that kind of showed that he's not quite the quarterback that we thought he was at Clemson. But I could still see a team uh, taking a chance on him as a, as a free agent. Yeah, I, I think we'll see all of these guys probably end up um, in some kind of free agent uh, deal. Um, I, I really would be surprised if if any of these guys just didn't get up, just right. didn't get on a roster in any way or something. At like least, that. at least for training camp, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and probably beyond for most of them. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? Anybody that just like you know, there was possibility earlier in their careers and they just like completely fell off. I don't know. I don't have anybody in mind, but um, I was trying to think if there was anybody that just like, man, what happened to them? Uh, It seems like all these guys were kind of, we knew they were going to have be a big part of their senior season. So. Yeah. I didn't know. Nobody really comes to mind uh, in that way, but um, I would probably say of all the guys, the, the, the guy that probably has the least chance to be drafted is probably Jonathan Johnson, but I just still appreciate so much what he did at Missouri. And uh, again, a guy who I can remember the day he committed and uh, you know, he, he had an absolutely fantastic career and he got to play with Drew Locke for probably three of those years. So that definitely helped those stats I'm sure as well. But, um, right. and you know, he had a great uh, combine as well. You know, he put up some, some incredible numbers on the, 40 yard dash and like the shuttle run drill they do and stuff. So uh, clearly uh, amazing athlete and uh, we'll definitely appreciate uh, his contributions that he made at his time at Missouri. Definitely. I think that's all I got on any of these guys. So unless you got something else, I think that's the entire episode. I think that is a wrap. Uh, You can find us on Spotify, Apple podcasts, 
Google Podcast. We are on Twitter at Mizzou Sports Pod, and we are. You can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram. We're on YouTube. We are everywhere you could possibly find a podcast. You almost infringed on Visa's trademark. Everywhere, I I everywhere you want to be, or something like that. <laughs> Um, yeah, find us on all those places. If you are listening on a podcast service, um, it'd be very helpful. We'd really appreciate it if you gave us a review or a rating. And uh, likewise on YouTube, if you could subscribe or give us a like or leave a comment, any of those things are very much appreciated. And thanks everyone for listening. We will see you next week.